Men of low moral fiber. Choo choo choo. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. This is how I saw episode two. What kind of movie you talking about, man? <laughs> Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Kurt Reynolds. Dare do that. Settle down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat the paella. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. Oh. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that would never be presumed dead after destroying Shizor's evil Skyhook airship lair. No, really. Like, I feel like... Luke and Leia would have looked a little harder for us, like if that had happened. Like they didn't really even look for Dash. They're just like, I guess he's dead. Oh well, it's kind of kind of messed up. Anyway, so they mourned him. That, Luke I, was super bummed. It was a quick cutscene. Anyway, <laughs> he was super bummed. Uh, I'm your host Ben Helms, and with me as always is my jetpack flying IG88 defeating Imperial construction plan destroying chocolate wampa tasting brother Jason Helms. How goes it, good sir? Pretty good. Just uh, hanging out with Lebo over here. Always, uh, always a lot of fun with Lebo. I don't think you should do this podcast, sir. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Lebo he always has a bad feeling about everything. He does. He's the worst. Anyway, yeah. So that's right. Today, uh, per Nick Bontrager's request in the previous episode, go check that out. Uh, go check that episode out. Uh, Grim Fandango. I almost said Grim Reaper, but that was a little too on the nose. Uh, but yeah, last month's episode was pretty fun with Nick, and he suggested we dive into the 1996 gem. That was and still very much is Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. It always will be. It always will be till the end of time. Hey, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Yeah. So let's, let's back up real quick. All right. Um, did you say Cheezor? Cheezor. I heard a clear Cheezor. Like, well, like something it was kind a of soft Cheezor. A Cheez-It-based monster is what I'm imagining. Oh, that'd be delicious. And oh. terrifying at the same time. Terrifying uh, and delicious. That's their that's their slogan. <laughs> like holiday Cheez-Its or something. Anyway, uh, so thank you, Nick, uh, for su- suggesting this game. This has been one of my one of the few games I've played throughout most of my life. Like every three to five years, I go back and visit this. Uh, and yeah, since the holiday season, it came out in '96. This has been one of my like top three, top five games. Uh, yeah. So, do you did you play this back in the day? I remember playing this a lot by myself. I don't remember oh, playing I, this with you. Definitely. Did you play this? Yes, I played. I played this a lot. Okay, uh, you don't remember just watching me play it? I know um, this is. I think this is one of the first games. So I was ten when this came out. I was eleven when this came out, and I think this is one of the first games that I like really owned, not literally owned, but like well, I mean we owned it. But you know, I was I didn't have a job or anything. Anyway, <laughs> that we I owned as myself being the one to get myself through the levels, you know, through the puzzles, through all that kind of stuff, and beat the game myself. Yeah, I think you screwed up my saves. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt. Like, like I remember being mad at you about that, that like you know, you like beat one level on my save or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Like it mattered. It did you beat this game in 96, 97? Yeah. Back in the day? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, um, yeah, I, I definitely remember the final um, scenes. So oh, yeah. Definitely did hook. beat it. The sky hook was pretty epic. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, today we're going to talk about the history. We're going to kind of do the big picture stuff. What was going on in, in Lucasland in the mid 90s when this came out before and after uh, then we'll, of course, get into the gameplay. We'll talk about our challenges, our frustrations, and just the all the times we just screamed for joy at all these amazing cutscenes we saw on the N64 version. Uh, and then when we saw the PC version, all the just tears of sadness we felt because <laughs> they look so much more pretty than the one we played. Uh, and then we will, of course, play some uh, uh, What's the Beer? What's the Song? We have a new segment that we'll throw in today, which is uh, what else we've been playing. 
and we'll talk about next month's game. And I feel like our outline just gets longer and longer. So let's get into the game. Okay, so it's 1994. Uh, Lucasfilm execs want to kind of ramp up excitement for Star Wars. It's been a lull. It's been what, like 11 years, I think, since Return. No movies in the pipeline. Uh, and yeah, there's just kind of a lull for Star Wars fandom. Kenner is probably like chomping at the bit, wanting to make more games. And they, they did the, as far as video games, they did the original NES versions of Star Wars Empire and Return. They did the Super NES versions for Super Star Wars, Super Empire, Super Return, uh, which we love. We played those a bunch. Yes. A, a uh, bored and over-involved George Lucas is stroking oh. his beard and yes. looking in the background of some of those shots on Tatooine and thinking, but what about a big old lizard back there? Right you know what's better than one Millennium Falcon? <laughs> Another Millennium Falcon. A billion? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so John Knowles and the people at uh, LucasArts and Lucasfilm got together, uh, all the Lucas people, the Lucastown companies, uh, and they created Dash Rendar, kind of a poor man's Han Solo, uh, who even flies like we were talking about. Uh, a Carillion light freighter, this time called Outrider, uh, and you, yeah, you join Han, Luke, Chewie, and the gang to rescue Princess Leia from the treacherous Prince Shizor, an alien gangster. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of the big idea for Shadows of the Empire, and it became much more than the video game. That's kind of the outline just for the video game. But you said John Knowles was was part of the planning process, and that's so cool to have the video game involved. Um, yeah, because what I remember of it was, uh, I remember the book coming out. Um, I think I owned it. I think I bought it at Costco. Yeah. Um, so it was a big enough book that it was sold at Costco. Yeah. There were the comics at the same time. Um, I don't remember if I read those and, and the game and it all, you were getting this one big story, but also if I remember right, they didn't all tell the same story. So you would get, yeah. So like between chapters, some of the, um, levels would happen between chapters. And that's why I think, especially later on in the game, it's not, quite as climactic as you'd like in terms of um i don't remember just spoilers ahead but does uh do you kill shizor like he's inside the skyhook so yeah because he, he, he escapes die. his base to go to the skyhook and then you destroy skyhook so yeah there's no cutscene there but i assume that he, he has dies, no yes. part of that final level or anything like that and i'm sure no. that in the book it's like cutting back and forth between shizor and and dash which right. can we just go on record as like worst name ever dash rendar dash rendar I thought you were going to say Cheezor. No, no. Cheezor is the best name ever. Again, Cheezor's pretty good. For a monstrous snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, Cheezor is a, oh, what's it called when you combine two words? Portmanteau. It's a portmanteau for Chico. Someone was dating a guy, X-I-C-O, pronounced Chico, was his name, uh, and Razor. She thought the, the combining those two words would be a cool bad guy name. Razor from Maniac Mansion. There you go. I think just the idea of danger. But yes. If it was Chico and not Chico, then then I think Cheezor is definitely canon. It may have been Chico. Ah, anyway, I don't know. So, but yeah, like you're talking about, Shadows of the Empire, much bigger than just the game. I think that's what it's remembered for, at least in pop culture, outside of just Star Wars-ness. Uh, that's the thing that I always think of is the game. Um, but it was definitely like a, this multimedia project created by Lucasfilm. And it included novels, comics, kids' books, trading cards, role-playing games, vinyl dolls, a bunch like a series of micro-machine toys. Of course. Statuettes, model kits, posters, a slew of action figures and vehicles. I had several of them. And, of course, Jason's favorite, a trade paperback collection. Mm. All the comics was published later that year. 
So yeah, I, I think along with uh, the Force Unleashed, the series of of games, it's kind of seen as the the two closest projects to the films as far as continuity. Yeah, they don't change any of the stories, but they still include a lot of the same characters and places and and plot without actually being one of the films. It's probably closer than the prequels were actually, uh, <laughs> and they're just solid stories. Let me pull out uh, one of my my PhD words now uh, and say transmedia. Um, this is, I think, a fairly early example of transmedia. The transmedia mm. is when you have one story that's told across different media. Yeah. Uh, and the key here is if it's different than an adaptation. So it's not the novelization of the film. It's meant so that you would actually um, read the book, play the game, read the comic, right. and get different pieces uh, of the story that way. There might be some overlap, but for the most part, they're not overlapping. Uh, you're learning new things with each one. This is Agents of Shield or Daredevil or all, all those like Marvel one MCU. Yeah, it does. The a MCU lot of is the the prime example. Right. Um, I've got one master student who uh, did a thesis on it, and I've I've read at least two uh, application essays from grad students over the last couple of years uh, that were writing on the MCU. Uh, so it's a really hot area of research right now, um, yeah. which is kind of cool that. If that's happening. Uh, and the big name there is Jason Mattel. Shout out to Jason Mattel. Uh, I met him one time. He's a real cool guy. Yeah, he might come on the podcast at some point. Yeah, there's, I, there's I think a rumor. we should invite him. Uh, I, don't know, uh, I don't know if he games. There's a rumor uh, in the, uh, the low, low moral fiber offices going around that yes. he might be on the podcast. So uh, yes, on, the, on the offices. Yes. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Anyway, so uh, back to the game. It was released December 3rd, 96, three months after the Nintendo 64 came out. So it was, it was actually a launch title for Europe and a couple other countries, you know, like the country of Europe. Right. Uh, and, uh, the Windows version came out the following year and they actually re-released it on GOG uh, two years ago uh, in 2016. Uh, and those are the versions. If you look up any like cutscenes or any like, oh, tutorials, walkthroughs, whatever, you'll go to that. And it's almost, it seems like every time it was the GOG version and it's just this beautiful, Gorgeous poly. I mean, they're still polygons, right? But they're right. sharp compared to the N64 version, which is like so rough. 280 by 360 or whatever the resolution is. So terrible. clippy. Oh, it's so bad. It was rough. Anyway, uh, we'll get into a lot of good stuff. But yeah, it's okay to say the re- the resolution was bad. <laughs> well, and this is my, my favorite thing because you said it came out three months after the system did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember we got this N64. I think that Christmas. Debuted. Yeah, I, I think that was a big deal. It might have been... The day or week that it came out, because we didn't have a PlayStation, we hadn't perfectly. we hadn't gotten anything since uh, Super NES. So yeah, we, we'd been saving our pennies. I mean, I remember pulling that thing out of the box and just holding that controller and trying to figure out like like the world had no meaning. I wasn't playing a game; I was just literally holding the controller in my hand, and I I didn't know what was happening anymore. Why are and there Why are there three places to put my hand? How many? I, hands I only have the two hands. These game developers Nintendo? have what? Oh man, I've been doing it wrong. What is Japan like? I gotta get this third hand. Oh my gosh, so that's cool. why you went to Japan. That's I wanted to ten see years later. Everyone would have three hands, and they did not. <laughs> and I was disappointed because I based all of my knowledge of other cultures oh my on gosh. game controllers, right, unfortunately. Right. right. And so it, it came out right then. But the controller is such a good story. You dug this up, Ben. So I'll let you tell this story. I didn't believe uh, it when I read it. I had to, I dug into this one. You verified this. This is great. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. Oh, I, I need it. Let me find the guy's name. I can't. Uh, this is an article in Game of Sutra back in 2009 by Mark Hi Hutchison. Hey Hutchison, uh, who's one of the developers on the on this project and a bunch of other LucasArts games. But uh, he, yeah, he says that 
I, I read this on Wikipedia, tried to go to it. It said it was actually found in Rogue Leaders by Rob Smith. Definitely read that a couple times. It is not in that book uh, that I could find. So I found this article uh, by Mark. And he says in that article, for maximum security under strict non-disclosure agreement with Nintendo, because this they were working on it as the Nintendo was still in development as a system, uh, the core team at LucasArts was not allowed to speak to anyone else about the hardware on the project. Uh, and actually, I, this is I'm just butchering this quote. They actually weren't allowed to use an N64 until the last six months of development. Jeez. So they worked for 18 months without being able to use the system it was on. Anyway, back to the quote. And the controller prototype was concealed within a cardboard box that the team could place their hands into only. And the craziest thing about it, uh, most people don't know this. The box that the controller was in was actually constructed with a Nintendo Labo and sent backwards <laughs> back in, time in time from uh, from the next gen system, which is called the Nintendo Switcheroo. So, wow! All right, so let's get a little context before we get into the kind of the development of the game. And that's this. Remember, this is winter '96. This is six months before the 20th anniversary of Episode Four. This is the whole special edition thing. We did three midnight showings. For each of these, I think it was like, what, April, May, June or whatever. Sometime in spring, summer in 97, these came out. Yeah. And it's all working in conjunction as Lucas and now Disney and Marvel. They all do this now. Uh, but working in conjunction to bring Star Wars back to the public spotlight, uh, which obviously worked because two years later, the prequels came out. And then now we're living in this like Star Wars rich life in 2018 where Star Wars movies just come out every six months, apparently, which is amazing. I'm so OK with that. I'm okay with it for now. Yeah, we'll see how Han Solo turns out. But uh, I um, I cheated. You saw Han Solo already? Uh, yep. No, I saw a preview. Uh, oh, I, I, I saw a preview too. Oh, let's good. See, let's see if Dude, Dom and Jorge I, listen to this podcast to see if they uh, catch us. <laughs> okay, listen up, Dom and Jorge. Let me tell you. Uh, no spoilers for the preview coming up right now. This is not what I'm about to say. Um, yeah, dog, that preview. Uh, I was not looking forward to this movie. And that preview made me think it might be all right. Uh, It's just tough to know if like the waiting to reveal Han Solo was like it delivered as, oh, and there he is. But it could have been this guy can't act. So we only have him saying one line. The fact that they had to delay shooting to get an acting coach for him, I'm guessing is the latter. But, you know, whatever. Or the former, whatever one you said that correlated with what I said. Anyway, so. You think it's awesome. You think it's awesome. I think it's the best and it's going to be great. So let's get into the game development, Jason. (laughs) Uh, So this game was built. uh, It was built with the same game engine as Dark Forces and Outlaws, the Jedi engine. Uh, But it ended up being using a bunch of different parts of six different game engines. It says Mark again from that same article we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, But again, like I said, they they had to test and program this game for 18 months without having access to the N64 which I don't understand fully how they did that, but they did it. I, I'm learning Unity now, and I, I just feel that Game Engine doesn't mean anything. Uh, <laughs> game Engine. Yeah, it's just yeah. not a thing, right? It's like a uh, concept. It's more of a concept a than concept. A, a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the Game Engines that you know, we're all the engine, in, bro. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that, it might explain our biggest pet peeve with the game, which is the the wonky is the nicest way of putting it. The control interface. Oh, it's so rough. Look up, look down, look at my back. Up close. Why would I want to look at the back of my main character? Whoever played this had never circle strafed in their life. No. And I, which is so weird because Dark Forces came out the year before. The year before. I don't Dark know, I Forces it. is older than this game. Which means I guess they're working on it at the same time, but you'd think that they'd have some sort of like, hey, and you're working on a Star Wars other. shooter game? So are we. 
maybe Tim Schafer could have swung by one office and swung by the other. <laughs> I know. As he, as he just sprinkles magic fairy dust yeah, all around please, the offices. Please, Tim. Uh, anyway. But like, I, I felt like so much of the game and the difficulty levels were based upon there is someone just to the left inside a doorway. Mm-hmm. And that's just an impossible place to get to based oh on the controls. Gosh. Like, oh you, you can't turn to the left. That's insane. You have to go in and then I'll turn all the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. It was rough. Anyway, so uh, in the end... They met the deadline, December 96, uh, and debuted this. I mean, looking at it now, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a game from the 90s, right? It's kind of blurry. It's very right. polygonal, polygonal, po- polygonal. Well, that sounds inappropriate. Polygonal. Uh, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Not monogamal. Anyway, yeah. uh, they debuted <laughs> a fully 3D, multi-environmental, multi-genre. I mean, this game, even in the first three levels, you're playing, you know, you're on Hoth, you're in a ship, then you're in space. And then you're this uh, three quarter like shoot 'em up game, like RPG kind of thing. It's just very diverse gameplay, especially if you think about the context. I looked up uh, the top games, top video games of '95. It's Chrono Trigger, Killer Instinct, Twisted Metal, Donkey Kong Country 2, Didi's Conquest, which I think we all remember. <clears throat> but these are games that are all great games, right? I'm sure we could pick them up now and have a good time, but they don't have this 3D environment that is almost like Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah. And it, yeah. it brought that and same kind of style that four years before that, five years before GTA. Yeah, I think. yeah, difference. It's a previous system. Yeah, uh, maybe there was, that was PlayStation. But anyway, whatever it was, I mean, this was a, a new type of game. This wasn't your Dark Forces, your like, Doom kind of thing, where it was that, like you are the character. You're seeing your character top down view for most of the part, for most of the game. And it's just I don't know. It was at the time the fact that you could not only have these diverse environments, diverse gameplay. But also do this as, you know, B version of Han Solo. Dash Rendar just blew my little 10-year-old mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, it came out to mixed reviews because people were older than 10 at the time, apparently. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> the first level was amazing. It kind of jumps in time. The first level, you're on Hoth. And then you jump forward to in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, and the, it talks about the rest being kind of mediocre. Nothing special. The graphics were great. The controls were really bad. And it just seemed very limiting. Like it could have done more and maybe it could have, and it probably would have, if it wasn't a debut game for the, or it wasn't a game on this debut system that they couldn't even test it on. So uh, it was the third highest selling game of 97, the following year. uh, And it sold over a million copies in that year. So uh, definitely one that did commercially really well, even though critically it wasn't necessarily the highest scoring game. So, and it's tough to remember that that is what game companies care about. Oh yeah, that, that it that it is a commercial success. I mean, and it it was. This game is a good game. I couldn't sense. tell if you were being sarcastic or not. I was like, no. no. I mean, and and I do think LucasArts is is better than that. I mean, I I love their games. I, I don't know if you know this, but I actually uh, was uh, one of the co-founders of a podcast about LucasArts games. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a little special uh, fun fact about me. Um, but I mean, we saw this with Rebel Assault also, and I can't think of another example off the top of my head uh, for the rule of three, but. Some kind of mediocre games that did really, really well for the company. Rebel Assault 2. Uh, as, uh, Rebel Assault 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a good another example. Thank you. Um, good another. Um, <laughs> yep. We're doing great here. So a few Easter eggs, and then we'll get into the gameplay. How's that? Yep. Do it. Uh, my favorite, uh, which I could not find, but I saw, vid- I saw video footage of, so I believe it to be true, is that you can find a floating max head on the most Eisley level when you're in your swoop bike. Uh, I spent hours doing this. Did you look for this? 
Not not this time, but when I was a kid. Oh, dude, at I don't age know. Fifteen or whatever, I spent. It's such a tough level, man. This. Yeah. Um, and in my mind, I did find it. Um, I don't know if that's true, but when I saw the screenshot, I was like, "Yep, I did that." I'm, you got to take oh, the speeder bike and you go up a ramp and you go around a corner. It's a swoop bike, and, and, not a speeder bike. And then you got to swoop bike, and then you got to you got to like just believe, right? You just got to believe. And yeah. It's there. It shows up. Anyway, it's Max uh, from Sam and Max hit the road and all the other Sam and Max adventures as a uh, as a as a challenge point. Yeah, not next try. Yeah, as a challenge point, which is it's pretty awesome. And that's a weird kind of um, unique gameplay thing about this is there. This is a very 90s thing, but they were um, real generous with those challenge points and extra lives early on. Yeah, you have to soak them up quick. Yeah. 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 And you can get I had like 13 or 14 lives at the end of, I think, the second level. Um, I was like, wow, this you lose them quick in that last one. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like, oh, no, Skyhook I'm just gonna, was rough. Yeah, I'm just going to keep cashing them in. I had I had two at the end of Skyhook. Oh, well done. So I, I was real worried that I was going to have to get to just one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was terrifying. So uh, another one would be that a few of the droids throughout the game, as well as the swoop bikes, not speeder bikes. Uh, but yeah, they look exactly like speeder, speeder bikes, just with like pointy ends, I guess. I don't know. Uh, were added to the special editions, which, which came out a few months later, especially all around Mos Eisley. A lot of that stuff, they, they I was going to say took from this game, but obviously they were making them both at the same time. Uh, but it's one of the the few pieces of the universe found first in the secondary IP and then later mm. in our time, Earth 606, later put into the primary canon, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Nerd alert. But anyway. All right. We're getting the gameplay. Let's do that. Let's do it. All right, so the game is broken up into four chapters, but ten levels. That doesn't really break down very easily, but it's basically you're on Hoth, and then second level, second chapter, you're tracking down bounty hunters, and you get to track down IG-88, you get to track down Boba Fett. Uh, Chapter three, you're saving Luke Skywalker. Uh, You're recovering secret Imperial plans for the Death Star. Yes, more plans for Death Stars. It's kind of a recurring thing in the Star Wars universe. And then the final chapter... Uh, which I believe is the just the Skyhook. Maybe it's Shizor's palace. Anyway. Yeah, Shizor's lair and the Skyhook, yeah. Yeah, the last two is, is the fourth chapter, which is along with uh, Lando and Chewie and Luke and other people. You're rescuing Princess Leia from Shizor's lair, which, by the way, in the comics, they almost uh, had a little romantic thing going on. Leia and Shizor. Shizor and Lando? A fairy. Shizor and Lando. Wow. I mean, that's cool. That's cool. You got a lot of nerve showing up here. After what you pulled. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I can't wait till Childish Gambino gets uh, get hooks up with Shizor in the prequel. This is going to be great. It's going to be great. Anyway, you want to go level by level? There's only 10. We can have like a sentence on each one or something. Sure. Battle of Hoth. Hey, let's, let's trade off. All right, Battle of Hoth, man. I, I mean, just like the, the critics say, I think this is the best level in the whole game. I really like Skyhook at the end. But Battle of Hoth, great way to start a game. Super fun. I had no idea where I was in the time. As far as like the Star Wars universe, it was super weird. But the fact that you could do the tow cable is one of my favorite devices in any game ever. The fact that I'd seen that my whole life and was finally able to do it was pretty awesome. It's so spectacular. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely one of my favorite moments in any Star Wars game. I'm completely with you. And I've seen that particular thing done so many times in Star Wars games. And even in the most recent Battlefronts, it's not, it's not as good. The Rebel Assault tried to do and, it and it was yeah. unplayable. 
unplayable. And they nailed the controls. Yep. It was, I remember it being tough as a kid playing it this time. It was not that tough. Yep. It's very, you know, doable. But, uh, yeah. And as control, as good as the controls are in Battle of Hoth, that's how as bad they are in Escape from Echo Base. Wow. Yes. The next level, it, like, it's a real hard introduction. You just go, oh, I am never going to feel like I am playing as Dash Rendar. Yeah. I'm always going to feel like I'm I'm the guy telling the guy, telling Dash Rendar what to do. <laughs> Run! Go left! Tell, he says to go re- left? Look, I don't know, I said look down now. He's over yeah. there! It's yeah, going down now. It's going down now. What? What? It was rough. It was rough. I, I, the thing I do like about that level is I'm, I'm never rushed. Yeah. Which is nice. It's kind of a slow clicky first person shooter. It's not (laughs) third person shooter, right? In the sense that it's like you open a door and there's three guys there. You open a door and there's some wampas and you can always close the door and back up and it doesn't feel like you're being chased down. And because the AI has terrible eyesight, it sometimes feels like a stealth game. Yes. And it's got, it's probably has the most helpful auto aim of any game I've ever played. Oh, so good. (laughs) It's pretty great. Uh, Asteroid Field. I thought it was really fun. Extremely challenging, but just the diverse gameplay, three levels and three different games to that point. I loved it. Man, you let me shoot TIE Fighters and I am there. Like any Star Wars games that game that does that, it has my stamp of approval, no matter how I feel about the rest of the game. And I really, really enjoyed the cockpit genre uh style of this game even i mean from battle of hoth asteroid field all the stuff when you're in the carillion starfighter freight freighter yep it's probably the best up until battlefront 2015 came out and the ability to jump from one level to the next on the replay yeah that was such a nice thing in the menu which was not typical at the time Uh, yeah pull up any level you wanted to and just play right there Yeah, yeah yeah um Really, really nice. Uh, Rogue so, Squadron. I'm going to have to say Rogue Squadron is up there, too. Good. It's pretty amazing. But less yeah. of less of a game and more of just a flight simulator. Ord Mantell Junkyard. The dance with IG-88. Um, right. All right. That's so right. my favorite part about this was actually the, the platform game. Uh, the little game that is most of the level. Oh, yeah. The little hover platforms. Yeah. Yeah. 3D platformer, um, which is rare to enjoy. And it was one of the few parts of the game that I was actually nervous and like, uh, am I going to get this? And the other thing I liked about it weirdly was that you could not control yourself in the air. Yeah. I'm used to games where you like, for some reason, you can kind of half fly while you're falling. Right, right. And perfectly control exactly where you are in space. Yeah. And in this, it felt like when you, if I was standing on a moving train and I jumped, which right. is like, I, it wouldn't go real well. Yeah. True. Yeah, that's frustrating, but it also felt like it it wasn't frustrating because of the controls on that level, because I was just kind of jumping around for the most part. It was just frustrating because it was it was hard. It was a hard yeah. thing to do, if that makes sense. Like it felt like yep. once I got better at it, it got easier and I was less frustrated. But it was and it's, yep. I mean you're moving on platforms going to 80 miles an hour, like it's just a lot going on. And I thought it was a pretty cool looking level. Anyway, yep. uh the Gaul spaceport. Chocolate Wampa, dude. Chocolate. Wampa. I want to see Chocolate Wampa, a non-icy Wampa in in a film. I want to see more Wampas in films. Yes, but yeah, dude. Yeah, I can't say that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> and then Boba Fett, man. We always love Boba Fett. Any Boba Fett mention, any appearances are great. Uh, so yeah, it was probably the toughest boss in the whole thing, but pretty oh, awesome. Yeah, and only some of that was the controls. Yeah. I felt like he just kept hitting me constantly. Like there's nothing yeah. I could do to help myself. Well, and, being and I, hit by him constantly. I was also playing it with a PlayStation three controller, uh, through an Ooh. emulator. Um, so it, 
you know, the controls weren't great. Um, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. uh, maybe whenever I fired a special weapon or try to change weapons, uh, maybe the camera would change. Yeah. Um, that, that didn't make it easier, but, uh, yeah, even without yeah. that, the controls were still rough. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. I'm up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Most Isley and Beggar's Canyon. Oh. Who bites? Uh, it's oh, weird uh, name. I remember this being more fun. <laughs> I didn't Same. enjoy this. I played this bikes. six months ago and I was like, this is way harder than I it's remember. It's really tough. <laughs> Did yes. we just have better yes, like reaction times as kids? Because like, I think we were just blown away with how cool it was playing a video game in the Star Wars universe. We're like, I yeah, don't care, it, I'm running into the wall and stuck in this I corner. I do remember for five running minutes. into a lot of walls. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh man. Yeah, very difficult. Anyway, Imperial Freighter Suprosa. Suprosa? Yes, that's right. I got that on a pizza last night. It's really good. Oh, it sounds delicious, man. This was the, the longest level ever. So glad that we have auto aim. But yeah, it felt like mm-hmm. you're just running around the Death Star or whatever. I guess Imperial Freighter is what it is. Uh but yeah, just lots of and lots and lots of stormtroopers. And it was on this level that I found out that you could shoot through those boxes. And I was like, Oh yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. that's allowed? Right. Because you have there's a whole puzzle that you have to shoot through them to yes, actually like yes. beat the the thing and i was like two-thirds of the way through that puzzle when you finally get to a hallway that's just blocked yeah and i'm like well i guess i i guess i lose i guess i'm done i finally tried to shoot one. <laughs> there we go i was like i could have done this the whole time oh, i was i found dude. boxes that you could the ones that are in front of the controls there you can actually lean past to get the controls to work oh wow so that's oh, what so I you did didn't have to do before i thought I, of course you had to do it before you can do that from escape on echo base because there's wampas hiding behind boxes sometimes yeah you you can I just didn't figure that out because I'm dumb. Fair enough. Um, All right. And that brings us to um, the the most fun level ever. Ben. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the sewers of the Imperial City. Starlock monster. Yeah, this is freaking rough. Yeah, the uh, the Dianogas, which were just... Those were this awesome. is, these are terrifying. These were legit scary when I was a kid. And when they showed... I love the way they showed up in this game where they would um, poke their eye out of the water. And yeah. then you jump in the water and you could see them. And that was so cool. And I know that like most of the terror in the movie is that you can't see them. Right. Um, well, very tra- was... trash compactor episode four, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's so cool to actually see a Dinoga water. Yeah. That was cool. And having to fight them underwater and it's just massive. It basically is like, what would a Sarlacc be underwater? That's yeah. what kind of what it was. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. And the Dinoga super monster boss at the end, uh, not yeah, easy. no, that was not easy. No, lots of missiles for that one. Anyway, level nine, Shizor's Palace. I just love my jetpack. I just, I love the high ceilings. Kind of get aired out a little bit with my jetpack constantly. Here's something weird. You got the jetpack right back in uh, the Suprosa, I think. Uh, no, 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 it was the spaceport. Spaceport. Um, the Gaul. But then you take it off. You you take it off for a couple levels. You put it back on. Yeah, you take it off. It's like break, dude. Just, just bring it to the next fight. It's fine. You don't have to take it off. Dash. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, all right. I get it. Last one. Skyhook battle. Yep. Um, all from the cockpit. All, uh, well, three quarters behind because yeah, you yeah, yeah, be yeah. able to steer that thing. Right. Um, really fun. Uh, nice little uh, TIE fighter-ish battle. I don't remember what those fighters were called, um, but they were pretty cool. And then... Um, that battle around the skyhook itself was so, so dope. Yeah. Because you've got a mission that you're supposed to be accomplishing, but there are also fighters flying around you, and the Millennium Falcon gets in your way. Yes, that's so sweet. Like, it's it's one of the better video game cameos, that Millennium Falcon. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it was really good. Uh, it does remind me a lot of Battlefront, but again, decade, two decades earlier than the recent Battlefront. Like, 
really doing it well. Yeah, they do a good job of being fan servicey, but still having things there for a reason. Yeah. I mean, maybe Chewie being there a couple times, but it didn't feel like it was just kind of like, I don't even know what it would be. Just like random characters thrown in just to say hi. Like there were five main characters and they all served a purpose for the whole game. I get that he kind of looked like a Millennium Falcon, but it was different enough to me that it, I remember loving Dash Rendar as a kid and like making up stories about him because I was apparently I didn't like to read all the things they made for me, kids <laughs> novels and comic books. I didn't read any of those, uh, but I wanted to know more. So I just made up stuff. <laughs> Good call. Good but yeah. Call. But overall, what were your kind of uh, impressions of the game? Uh, don't, don't you worry. My beer and song give my review of it. But uh, suffice to say, it's mixed. OK, so let's move on. Game's pretty fun with frustration. When I was old, I just had to question what's the beer, what's the song. I can't always tell. I just wanna know what game is Westy 12. Right, I'm going first this time, because I never do that. I'm gonna pick a, a beer for this game that I could have sworn I picked before, but um, fanboys and fangirls, feel free to search it. I couldn't find it. Uh, but yeah, my adjectives for this game, fun, dark, confusing huh? at times, but very memorable. Something that stuck by me for years. And that's consecration by Russian river. Mm. I think you've done, one of us has done Pliny before. We've never done consecration. One praise. of my top three favorite beers. It's dark. It's fruity. It's delicious. Uh, just like this game. Yes. Dark, fruity, and delicious. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, so so mine is Boddington's because um, Boddington's is always one that I remember really fondly. Oh, um, yeah. And it's it's a, it's really unique, uh, you know, kind of a, a blonde Guinness. Yeah, it's, all, it's got the nitrous, the little puck. Yeah, yeah. But I I never end up really enjoying it all that much. Like I have a, a glass and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. It's it fine. It was, it was good. Um, yeah. But yeah, something I remember a little bit better in hindsight. Gotcha. Song? Oh, yeah. Uh, so my song uh, connects. I went with a 1996 song. Soul Coughing uh, was the band. Yes. The song is Super Bon Bon. Oh, shake your bonbon, shake your bonbon. I know he doesn't say shake here, but I always. Yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. No, uh, what is it? Something mango? Let the mango. Please. Let the mango through. Let the mango through. Move outside and let the mango through. Let the mango through. Move outside and let the mango through. Take your bottom bottom, let the mango through. Oh, um, perfect. Okay, so when was the last time you heard it? A decade? It's at been least. a while, yeah, as you can see by me butchering the lyrics. It is, um, yeah, I'm excited for you to go listen to it as you edit this episode because it felt so badass at the time. Oh, yeah, it was like this slow rocker. I, I just imagined, like, walking down the hall like Reservoir Dog style with yes. the behind me. Like it felt so whenever it was on, I was in slow motion Boom, for sure. I was awesome. Oh yeah. And listening to it now, especially if you watch the music video, it's, it's a little bit lame. Oh, it's, man. it's a little bit lame. Thanks a lot. Um, the, the Wikipedia page for soul coffee talked about them being, um, alternative rock jazz. Uh, oh, that's cool. Some hip hop inspirations. That's very, like, it's so nineties. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's rough. Yeah. And so, uh, but listen to it, and it's like, I still kind of love it. <laughs> it's not good, but I really like it. 
Uh, it's not good, but I really like it. It is a lot of Star Wars game reviews for us, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So speaking of That's, just like... That might be my review of Battlefront 2. Oh, Sorry. no. I still haven't played it. Oh, okay. So same imagery, just badass me with a suit on. You're walking in with your friends into like a club or whatever. That's what this song is for me. You feeling that? Yeah, what was that? I, yeah, I totally know it. You do know this. You know this really well. This is Pray For Me by The Weeknd and K-Dot. It's the song that's playing that's it. when T'Challa, Nakia, yep. and Okoye all walk yep. into the Korean casino. And as soon as I heard that song, I was like, I need to hear that song. I need to go find out what that is because that drum beat just like sunk into my soul as soon as I heard it. And yeah, that I mean, that's it's dark. It's addictive it's fun it's that song and that beat and that's kind of what black panther is too right it's a super yeah. fun things i don't want to say anything bad about black panther because i love that movie i've already seen it a bunch of times but still but the controls are bad but the controls Gameplay, are play it just wasn't you the know, controls perfect. are problematic i won't say they're bad <laughs> i don't have three hands <laughs> oh man but anyway that, i thought that song was kick-ass and i yeah nothing bad to say about that and, and let me read the lyrics to you real quick yeah okay uh, who need a hero? You need a hero. Look in the mirror. There you go, hero. Who on the front lines at ground zero? My heart don't skip a beat, even when hard times bumps the needle. Mass destruction, mass corruption. The souls are suffering. Clutching on deaf ears again. Rapture is coming. It's all prophecy. And if I got to be sacrificed for the greater good, then that's what it got to be. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be a martyr and still live on. Uh, I'm pretty sure those lyrics were actually inspired by Dash Rendar and not Black Panther. Yeah, I think we've uncovered a mystery here. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we got a right. couple more segments for you guys, and that is, well, should we do what we're playing next first? Yeah, let's do what we're playing next. So I think we're going to have to play Psychonauts eventually. Yes. Because there's the third Psychonauts game coming out next yeah, year. Which, it's coming out in 2019. Okay. And that means um, y'all need to save up and buy yourself a PSVR so we can play some Rhombus of Ruin in between, too. And that's the one that came out in the past six months for yeah. Rare. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's the second one. And they're all pretty linear, or all they all connect story-wise. From from what I understand, I haven't played Ramos of Ruin yet, but from what I understand, the, the story is, is very continuous. All right. So hold on to your horses, Tim Schafer. We're coming for you, as usual. But I think we're going to do a little shorter <laughs> thing. We're going to do another another classic walking simulator. This one, probably the highest acclaimed one, one of the kind of original the past five years, at least. Uh, what's eating I, I, Edith Finch? What is what's, what's eating Edith, Edith Finch? Is it the cheesor? <laughs> remains of Edith Finch. <laughs> After the cheesor is done with her. What's eating? No. Oh, it came out last year. I thought it came out like five years ago for some reason. Anyway, this is like a bunch of game of the year and it's just amazing reviews of Polygon and Game of Sutra. Game of Sutra. No, but what's the one? Kotaku. Kotaku and like all the, I mean, there's just everything. Everyone's been raving about it. We have, we got to play this game eventually. It fits somewhat into what we do because we we play these games that are walking simulators firewatch and stuff that are created by people that left LucasArts. this game might be the biggest stretch for us we'll, we'll find some connection yeah the game industry is very incestuous anyway uh so yes what what's well it's time for time for what, a new segment what's the gilbert grape oh yeah what's the gilbert grape song? what remains of gilbert grape what, <laughs> what remains of gilbert grape no what is it next month on men of low moral fiber what remains what's eating edith finch all right let's play that game it's like it's probably 20 bucks sorry we're playing all these new games again but we'll get back to the old game soon i promise all right new segment what else we playing so jay i know for the past 
six months, you've slowly been ramping up, playing Shadows of the Empire a little more each week, right? As we do, yes. as we prepare each month for this well, didn't, years didn't ahead. Didn't cram it all in this week, no way. Not at all, no. You couldn't have done that physically. So uh, what else, though, have you been finding time to play? So so I wanted to reflect for a bit. Um, two years ago when we started this podcast, uh, if you'd asked me, I would have been like, um, like solitaire a bit, um, right. you know. Candy Crush. Uh, Candy Crush, really crushing it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of embarrassing because I've been teaching a course on video games for the last six years. Yikes. Like, I do care about this. I do research on video games. It's kind of sad that I don't spend more time playing them. Uh, because of this podcast, um, I've really been more immersed in video games, uh, especially over the last six months to a year. And so now it's like I've been playing a bunch. Like, I want to tell you about Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to tell oh. you about uh, <sighs> Horizon Zero Dawn. So beautiful. That's all I want to talk about. But nice. uh, what I am going to talk about instead is, um, I think, kind of an obvious thing, but um, Zelda Breath of the Wild, which Woo! I just, I'm annoyed that we had to podcast tonight. Like, I sat down, wow. I played for like 10 minutes, and I'm like, frick, I've got a podcast. It's the first game ever that's going to win Game of the Year for the next five years. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I need to... I, I really, really need to cook like a couple apples with just some spicy chilies in there. Wow. And and that's all I want to do. I don't want to podcast. I want to cook apples. So, so you know what? Screw Breath of the Wild. It's got five years of Game of the Year. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is amazing, and I'd love to talk more about it at some point. On this podcast or some other uh, medium? I don't know. Just you and me, man. Like, maybe oh, I'll talk okay. to a wall. I don't know. Cool. Um, I no, don't know. It's I don't have a PS4, so... <laughs> female protagonist who is not sexually objectified. Uh, post-apocalyptic world where you're fighting robot dinosaurs. And at some point during the narrative, you're like, oh, okay. I get why there are robot dinosaurs here. It makes narrative oh, cool. sense. Okay. It's not just really cool. Nice. Did you finish Last of Us, by the way? No, no, no. That's see. That's the other game I'm playing. So Probably a third of the way through, I maybe love, close to half. Love Last of Us. It's top three game in the last five years for me, for sure. That's amazing. It's it's really good. I hated it until I got out of uh, that initial town you're in. I Boston. don't. I have to play it again. <laughs> What's that town? That tiny village? Uh, well, you don't find out that it was Boston. I think until <laughs> oh, like okay. A while later, they're like, "Well, since we left Boston, I'm like, I was in Boston. Oh, okay. What? That's when fair. did that happen? That's fair. It's a little dark. Anyway, man, that game is dark. Anyway, um. Me, dude, I'm going to disappoint everyone. I've been playing NBA 2K18. Nice. (laughs) And it's definitely like my escape game, right? These games are fun, but they're also like, oh, I have to get that done by a certain time. And so when I have an extra half hour, hour there, I'll go play my my career game, which, by the way, I am Eric Stevens, a.k.a. Killmonger. 5'10". I'm basically, I modeled myself after Michael B. Jordan, and it's amazing. And he's just, every choice you make in the, like, my career is just like an F you choice. I don't care about you. I'm the best. What would Michael B. Jordan do? Yeah, yeah. Which is most of the same choices Michael Jordan actually made. So it makes it pretty easy. Yeah. Just be a jerk to everyone until you're the best in the world. So, and then continue being a jerk to everyone. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think that's all we have for you this week. Uh, I'll. I promise I'll play a cooler game. Maybe I'll finally finish The Witcher Three. I got 98 percent through the game last summer, and then we started the. Oh overthink. my gosh! Finish Witcher Three. We we <laughs> we started a whole podcast network, and so I haven't taken the time yet to do that but someday I'll, I'll finish it uh once i officially forget how to play the game i'll go back and try to beat it so anyway uh thanks again for listening to us uh if you liked what you heard you can support us at patreon.com slash momf m-o-l-m-f 
Uh, you can check out our website, menoflowmoralfiber.com. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Mulm for Men of Low Moral Fiber. Uh, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, any suggestions for games you want to play or you want us to play, hit us up. Our email is mulmpod, M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, and <laughs> this past week, uh, FOMF, F-O-L-M-F, run by Nick Gates, the great Nick Gates, uh, actually went uh, asunder. Uh, he lost. He lost mm. the rights to it. I guess I don't. Know, maybe maybe mm. uh, up the URL or the domain. But but he let it go and he decided to move his talents over to a new website run by. Uh, he gave me some rights to it, but I, it's so far just run by Nick Gates. He gave me a couple domains. He's like, here's a list of domains I want to buy. One of them was mucusflumgames.com was available. Kscum.fm, uh, kscum.com, oh, just a bunch nice. of thimbleweed URLs that Nick threw at me. Finally, he picked kscum.com. And he's like, what would you think would be at kscum.com? I was like, what would be at kscum? Obviously, like Razorettes or what? You'd have to have like some in-joke LucasArts games, but it'd basically right. be like the best of the 80s songs, right? It'd just yeah. be like whatever 80s yeah. songs you like would have to be on the kscum. Everything you would expect because yeah. that's what would be in the background of these games you're playing. And so <laughs> if you go to kscum.com, Nick made a site. That is just a Spotify playlist and the K-Scum gif in the background. It's amazing. So thank you, Nick, for making that. Uh, we'll definitely make sure we link to that as well. But that's that's pretty amazing. And, yeah, we got to figure out what songs are playing on the radio station at um, in Thimbleweed Park because we got a little announcement to make. Um, thanks to all of your hard work, I'm certain, dear listener, Thimbleweed Park is now Adventure Game of the Year for the Aggies, the 2017 Adventure Gamer Awards. It also swept in a bunch of categories. I don't know. It got like a dozen. Of them. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, go check out their Twitter to see all the names of the individual awards. Yeah. But of course, Game of the Year for for the Adventure Awards. Um, yeah, pretty pretty great. Um, and I have to say, I agree. Yeah, especially talking with David and just learning how much work went into it, how many people worked on it for how long. Uh, it's cool to see. I mean, and that's every game, right? Every game that's in these categories is thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of hours and years of worked on. Um, but it's cool to, to know some of the people involved and to to see that work go rewarded. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Congratulations, Thimbleweed developers. Uh, great work. Yeah, definitely. All right, that's all we have for you. I'll go play Edith Finch this month, and we will see you all next month. As always, I have been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And I am Cheezor. Eat me or be destroyed. Gross. Gross. See you guys next month. See you.